Hello, everyone, and welcome to Challenge Talk, part of the Geocache Talk Geocache Talk Network. We broadcast live on the first Thursday of each month. Feel free to jump over to YouTube or Facebook to watch the broadcast live and join the wonderful chat uh, and active chat room, uh, and, or listen to the entire show on your favorite podcast player. Hi, everyone. In this episode, we'll be discussing the variety of ways people like to keep track of their challenge caching progress, what's found qualified, not qualified, not found, and just fun targets to aim for on a caching trip. If you're new to the podcast or challenge caching, we're working through some of the basics of this aspect to our geocaching hobby to lay the groundwork for some of the more advanced creative ways we can enjoy challenges. We also like to highlight your challenge accomplishments each month. So between each show, don't forget to email your challenge cache finds to challenge cache excuse me, challenge talk podcast at gmail.com. And you could win a prize to be given away in each episode. And later in this show, we'll be playing our exclusive game for the live audience, Wheel of Challenges. <laughs> I just love saying that. So get, <laughs> so get your email program ready and follow instructions when the time comes and you could have a chance at winning the grand prize, a one-year membership to Project GC. And we are your hosts, Emily Renee and Jeff from Cash the Line. <laughs> so we always like to start off with a little bit of a community question icebreaker. Uh, so we like to we, we like getting challenge caching related questions from you, and we watch for common uh, or popular topics to discuss um, from out in the community. So this week's initial question is: How do you log a challenge cache? Write note found and when so i like the right note feature um when i qualify for one even though i might not have found it yet that way i have something to reference and then when i realize i have qualified for it i log a found that's pretty much exactly how i do it as well um i think i i assume that most people do it kind of the same way um, yeah, if it's qualified, then I will post a note to that challenge cache saying that, uh, uh, that I've qualified, uh, and then add the information or if I find it and I haven't qualified, then uh, I'll just add a note saying that found it on today. And then it's on record, at least then the cache owner, if they decide to double check the log sheet, then they'll see the name and the date and everything match up. So, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Cause you might qualify first or find it first, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. And technically you are supposed to log it when everything is uh, completed. So when you qualify and when you've signed the log sheet, once you've done both of those, then you can log it found. So the found loads, the found log is the last thing that should be uh, posted to that cache listing. Right. <laughs> um, so that was a very simple question. So don't forget to email any of your challenge caching questions to challenge talk podcast at gmail.com and uh, they could get highlighted in an episode, in an upcoming episode. Uh, so we also like to uh, highlight the current statistics from Project GC about challenge caches worldwide. And so every month we just run through the numbers. And so according to Project GC, as of October 1st, 2020, this afternoon, we have... 5,248 active scripts. These are the uh, scripts that handle all the challenge algorithms that that generate all of the challenge caches. Uh, and that's up from 5,113. So that's 135 new scripts 
So that's not just new challenges. This is scripts that the, the, the programming behind the challenges. So these are brand new concepts, brand new ideas. I like it. New concepts. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. More inspiration. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see some of these new challenges as well. Right. Uh, so we've also got 33,569 unique challenges up from 33,109. That's 460 more in the past month. These unique challenges are um, the actual individual ideas. So parameter sets, like if, if uh, say for example, it was finding a cache every day of a certain month, the, the parameter might change for a different month. So those would be two challenge caches, but one script. So that's a unique, two unique challenge challenges. And so there's 33,569 of those. Uh, and active tags, these are the unique checkers that are set up by GC code. So these are individual listings. There are 40,352, uh, which is an increase of 596 since last month. So worldwide, that's 596 new checkers on Project GC. Hmm. They're still going up. And <laughs> worldwide, so if we were to do a search for challenge caches worldwide, uh, this is where things might be changing in the coming months uh, as new new updates to the website roll out. If you do a search by challenge in the title and mystery caches, uh, then there are 29,713 active challenge caches worldwide. That's 191 more. And which that that is an interesting number because if there's almost 600 new tags, but 191 new active challenge caches and there's probably a whole bunch in the works not published yet yeah right and if you recall from last month there was a new change uh to challenge uh, to uh, geocaching properties and one of those changes was adding a challenge cache attribute so there is another attribute to that big grid of attributes now to mark challenge caches and if you were to do a search only by that all, any cache type uh, as with, it was it within a, let me double check that, um, a, a worldwide search for that attribute, then there are 29,276 currently active in the world. That's, about, that's 450 less. So there's still a little bit of an inconsistency there with, uh, with what is generally considered a challenge cache. Um, uh, HQ said that they were running a script or they would allow people to run a script on all of their challenge caches to automatically add that attribute from their end so that if you have 300 challenge caches, you don't have to go through each individual one and add an attribute for each and one. Each cache page, yeah. Yeah, so it might take a little bit of time for those numbers to sync up, but either way, there's a few couple of ways to search for challenge caches. Great. So we have... Well, we got to play this. We have a new little thing to play. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Two gadget <of> news. <laughs> we are uh, following up a couple of uh, past episodes from feedback that's come from you, from out in the public, from our viewers. And one of them is a follow-up to episode two, which we hadn't yet answered. Uh, Ron Witt emailed in asking, um, 
does changing an associated milestone find on geocaching.com also change the same milestone listing on Project GC. Uh, so we were talking about uh, the, the layout of the statistics on Project GC and uh, going through the milestones. There's a milestone listing on your public profile on geocaching.com and a milestone listing in Project GC's stats. HQ allows you to change milestones if you want. Like say you were out for a day and this was your day of caching and you were crossing a milestone, but you found 50 caches and you kind of wanted one to be that specific number milestone and it somehow shifted around because you miscounted or something, then you they allow you to shift that milestone to a specific cache. Right. So that, to answer the question, uh, Project GC will only show your chronological find history, whereas uh, your geocaching profile uh, has adjustable milestones, but they're native to geocaching.com. So changing your milestone won't change your Project GC milestone list in your stats. Is there any way to change it in progress, uh, Project GC? You know, I looked at that and I couldn't find a method to do it on Project GC. In a way, it kind of makes sense because Project GC um, generates its stats based on your find history, your logs and everything. So if they were to allow you to override a milestone, then it's it would become a Project GC specific stat as opposed to them analyzing your statistics and telling you what the results are. So yeah, it, I can kind of understand that. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe they have something in the future to allow people to uh, set their own milestones. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you were to look at your finds in order from beginning to end, then that's how Project GC sets up their milestones. Uh, we have another follow-up community question on etiquette based on some feedback from Galloping Gourmet, Brian Kissel, and just finding our way about when to post a find log on a challenge cache. And so the question is basically, when should you post your find on a cache that you signed long before qualifying? And we kind of touched on that in the break, uh, the, the icebreaker question um, about the order of finds and posting a note, if you post a note. Sure, but how do we choose what date we randomly choose to log the find? I can, yeah. So yeah, so if... Yeah, so if you if you post your find on a cache that you signed long before qualifying, then yeah, I think generally the the most accepted way is to uh, well, obviously you wouldn't post the find if you haven't qualified yet. So whether or not you post the note on the day that you find and sign the cache um, isn't as relevant. But when you, it's kind of like an earth cache. If you were to go to an earth cache and gather all the answers and then go home and then the next day you log it, do you log it the day that you were there or the day that you send in answers? Right. And that's for another show. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to challenge caches, there's those two aspects of it. And technically it's a find when both are completed. So when you've signed it and when you've qualified. So if you uh, sign it first, then you would find it the day that you qualify. You'd log right. to find That's the day you qualify. That's generally what I do. Because, you know, usually I'm tracking my challenges and when I might qualify for one. 
So the day I realize I qualify for it or the day I know with my plans is the day I'll log it. We mm-hmm. do have another question when you forget and realize you qualify potentially months after you did, will you research and find the log it for the exact date you qualified and log it for back then? <laughs> I don't know. I think personally, if I have forgotten for that long, but then realize I'll log it the date I realize Cause you know, I try to log my fines in order, try. Um, so I might potentially mess up a different statistic if I go way back. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was a really great question from just finding our way because I've, I have come across that as well in my career. And I'm like, because uh, quite often we'll go out and find caches and sometimes they challenge caches we haven't qualified for. You record it, make note of it, but then if you forget about it and then you come back and you're reviewing stuff much later and you find out you qualified, but it was a challenge that, wait, this is actually not that hard, but you don't remember when you qualified. And so I've kind of done both. There's, there's a few times when I have actually gone through my history and tried to find uh, the day or the cache where that challenge was um, completed and qualified and then log it on that day. But at the same time, if it's if that's a whole lot of work, then I mean, you could backdate it maybe to the day that you signed it. But generally, like you, I would just log it the day that that I realized. Yeah. And we have a few commenters saying, "Yeah, they would log it the date they realized." People don't want to mess up their numbers. Yeah, and that's the other thing as well, because uh, one of the issues with challenge caches is that uh, because find logs can be on days where nobody visited the actual physical geocache, the log history is a little more complex to, <laughs> to determine the state of the cache. Mm-hmm. There are times when a group goes through and uh, like say, well, in my area in Ontario, often there's group sizes of 10, 20, 30 plus people geocaching, mm-hmm. not this year, but <laughs> generally. And, um, and sometimes they'll go through an area and everybody will sign all the caches and most people don't qualify. And then after that, slowly they'll trickle in or groups will all log their finds. And if you come up to a cache like that and you look through the history, you're going to have 10, 20, 30 plus finds before actually finding, seeing a find log where somebody has actually found the physical cache. Mm -hmm. So how do you know when it was last found? Right. Like, has it been, has it been sitting there untouched for two years? You have to look through the find logs. Yeah. (laughs) So that's one of the downsides of logging the find once you qualify, if if you signed it a long time ago, because it can potentially mislead on the the log types, on the log history. I've never thought of that before, but that's true. Hmm. Well, with that down, we can dive into our main topic for tonight, which is strategies for tracking challenge progress. And I think that if you are very much into challenge caching, then you've probably already come up with a way that works for you, um, uh, a habit, a style. Um, and But there, it's fascinating talking to people about this because everybody seems to have a slightly different way of doing it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and there's some technical benefits with the website, and then there's tons of stuff that you can just do on your own, in your own way. And I think that's a, a huge plus just to this hobby. Um, so basically, we have, uh, first of all, 
if we go to project GC, then we have a already have a visual component which can help for things like uh, those year grids. Um, like say if you have a challenge where you've got to find uh, a cat find a geocache on every day of the calendar year from one to three fifty five. Um, there are grids on Project GC. If I bring it up to the screen share. Um, if uh, you are listening and not watching, then we have a screen on the video which can help, which often shows what we're talking about. So uh, currently we are going through the grids for the Project GC statistics and you can see that they diagram out account of say finds hidden by date on the calendar year so if you're looking to try to qualify for a challenge like that then you could look at your either your geocaching profile stats or project gc and your guidance might be right there <laughs> yeah this is how i first you know way back got inspired to accomplish a challenge i saw statistics i saw blanks in charts or blanks on the map and that just lit a fire in me. Mm -hmm. And especially with that uh, DT grid, uh, I think it was the last one on the page. No, where was it? I don't remember where it is. There it is. Um, on both the geocaching, your public profile and Project GC, they highlight different mm -hmm. uh, different ranges of numbers. So quite often uh, there, there we have some challenges that are like making your grid dark because there's a, a certain color jump from say 20 in a grid spot to 21 and so like making a grid dark would be like getting all your numbers above that that threshold to make right. your entire entire grid one with someone this month she was talking about flipping her calendar and what she meant was how many caches more she needed to find on that calendar date to make it a darker green for the stats mm -hmm. she was using yeah yeah, and it really shows up on those year grids. <laughs> if you've got any day where you've been out for huge numbers, uh, like looking at some of these, there's um, especially power trails where they all might be hidden on one date, then one day of that calendar grid is going to have a, a very different color. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you can see your spikes there. But that's, that's a good guidance, especially with the Jasmine grid. When you've got that grid from 2000 to now 2020 for each month, those first two years, quite often <laughs> people are going to have holes for a handful of those months for the longest time because those geocaches placed in those old months are so unbelievably rare. You've got to do a big travel, big trips to, uh, to go and find them. Right. Um, so it's kind of taunting <laughs> when there's a hole in that grid. It is taunting. Until I filled in a lot of my grids, I actually love to put on my Instagram when I filled in a, a square. <laughs> Might have been one <laughs> square or two, but it was big to fill in a square. <laughs> yep. The Jasmine, I think, is definitely one that uh, is fun to look for. Yes. Um, so the next... Uh, strategy that probably a lot of us use is to add specific dates onto whatever calendar software app or anything that you're using or physical paper calendar if you do that still um so for example if you have uh finds by found date if you're looking at your grid and say you've got to have maybe a challenge is to have three finds on every date of the year 
then you can look at your grid and find either the numbers that are a different color or just manually go through each block. And if there's a date where a number doesn't, it doesn't qualify, then you can mark that day. Let's say it's November 15th. I'm looking at there's three fines. So if I want to bump that number, I just go to my calendar and set a reminder, find a cache on this day. (laughs) And then, and then that five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and then that is another, you, you kind of put the reminder off to something else. It'll like, if you get to that day, then if you've got a reminder on your phone, it'll pop up and it can tell you find this cache on this day or something like that. Um, so that's another huge strategy for things like year grids or month months as well. Um, for me personally, I've got a, when I move into a new month, um, I, I still use outlook calendar. <laughs> so uh, at the, when I move into a new month, I move down a reminder uh, that says sometime in this month, you've got to find a certain number of traditional caches or mysteries or certain attributes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now I've got that one challenge to a uh, kind of a personal challenge to find 2020 caches in 2020. So at the end of each month, I've got a little reminder saying how, what my find count for the year should be by the end of this month, if I want to keep up uh, an average count. And then when I get to the end of the month, I can be like, okay, I've got to have a day where I've got to find 20 caches. That's good. So calendar is a huge strategic plus. But these are all talking about date-based uh, date-based strategies. Mm-hmm. So there is another, uh, another comment from April Holly Smith in the Geocache Talk blog um, who suggests referencing the challenge being worked on in cache finds your find logs to help others and for your own records. So uh, for example, if you were actually, let me bring up the blog here. Um, so we can read that little section. The, the uh, she posted a blog about how to cut and paste your way to better logs, <laughs> cut and pasting. It's an interesting topic, but there is a section for challenge cut and paste. And <clears throat> So uh, where did she say it? Um, Well, basically somewhere here, she was commenting about how if you add uh, information about a challenge that you're working on, uh, then when other people read it, they can see it's, it's helpful for them to say, Oh, this, this cash can be a qualifier for that challenge. Uh, Especially useful for some of those, rare harder challenges where um the caches to qualify for them are rare um that sort of thing happened pre-moratorium where there was uh what they call the bookmarking um or bookkeeping challenges where you say you've got to find caches that were uh published by somebody whose geocaching name starts with a zero (laughs) like it was so super hard to find some of those, but if you find the strategy would be, if you look at find logs on that challenge cache, you can look at that person's find history and their find logs. And if they, you find one where um, the content, like they say, this cache was good, use this for this challenge, then you know that, okay, there's a good starting point. I can go find that challenge or that cache to help qualify for the challenge I'm working on. Right, right. And if you do offline stats, you can download your log history and you can do text searches. So you can search your own logs for 
matches, cash matches that uh, that help you determine what your current state is for a certain challenge. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. I recently checked my find. I, I used my my finds pocket query in GSAC to find caches with certain words related to guardrail. I was looking for guardrail, guarding, GRC. Surprisingly, I did not meet the challenge. I, I forget if it was 25 or 50, and I was too short. So in <laughs> 16 years of geocaching, I haven't found enough guardrail caches named for a guardrail. <laughs> yeah. And that's another example where, um, especially if, if you've become used to using, um, uh, say GSAC, if you're on windows for offline, uh, stats and tracking and, and organizing your caches, then, uh, a lot of those pre-moratorium caches are a lot easier because the, the tools required to find and filter for caches were a lot more, um, a lot more capable than just using the website. Mm -hmm. So that again is another topic for a whole other show, but <laughs> GSAC and uh, other third-party tools can certainly help with uh, for finding qualifying caches. Uh, another strategy people have is using bookmark lists. And this is a huge one for me. I've kind of moved into using this. Um, you could, So in the bookmark lists, you have the ability, the option to add uh, notes for specific caches. So if you add a geocache to your to a, a list that you own, you can give it a name and you can give it a description, which means that you can uh, insert your own little information. If it's a if it's a private bookmark list, it's information that's specifically for you for your own records. So you can use that to help keep track of your your progress um and, and each cache page has a note box where you can say something but if you're looking to add a whole bunch of caches to potentially work together for one challenge to have your note on the bookmark note gives you all the notes at one mm -hmm. time versus maybe you're keeping notes for one specific challenge in that personal cache note box on the cache page so it just mm -hmm. depends on maybe the challenge and what type of tool you need, where you need to see all your information. Yeah, and and I'm personally finding that it's it's useful to track that information in both the personal cache note and a bookmark list if it's in there. Um, but uh, I'm personally finding a lot more value in the personal notes section because that is uh, also transferable via API to your mobile app. It's a lot easier to see that. And those details like the descriptions in a bookmark list, that doesn't show up if you right. say download your list to Cashly. So it's good for web view, but not for when you're actually out on the road. You don't get to see that description. So the personal note will transfer. It's nice to have them in both places just to, to cover that. Good point. Um, and when it comes to bookmark lists, if you noticed, I have a bookmark list for near completion. So to help keep track, especially now that you can sign and then qualify much later, or you can qualify for a cache before you go and sign it, but you know you can log it as soon as you sign it. Um, I have two, well, I aside from keeping track of all the challenges that are in Ontario, I have two personal uh, challenge lists. One is for um, 
found but not qualified. So if I've gone and I've signed the cash, but I haven't qualified for it yet, I'll add it to this list. Mm -hmm. And then it's effectively the same as I can now ignore that cash on the map because I've already found it. I just need to qualify to log the find. But then I also have this list for near completion where it gives me a reminder of all of these caches that I haven't yet qualified for, <laughs> but like I might keep track of uh, a bingo challenge. So I might keep my little grid on there saying which ones I've qualified for. And, uh, and then I know if, okay, if I'm on this list and I look, see that one, I can open up the cache listing and double check everything with the actual grid. Do I yet qualify or not? So near completion. And then once, once I qualify for that in near completion, which I haven't yet signed, it becomes part of the qualified, but not found. And that has another little strategy that we'll mention in a little bit. <laughs> uh, because, so this, everybody has kind of their own little style of tracking stuff. And what I've just mentioned here for the bookmark lists, yeah, you know, I, I kind of use that a little bit for, uh, for live tracking onto the mobile device. But I also have a little document <laughs> in Outlook, which uh looks daunting. <laughs> yes, just a little just a little document. <laughs> <laughs> just a plain old monospace text file of all of the technically all of the challenges, not necessarily caches, but all of the accomplishments um that I've seen in challenges that I can work towards. So everything from uh streaks a certain cache is find 30 days with of non-traditionals. So 30 day streak of non-traditionals. I've got that listed here, just simple, quick on one line and with the, with the GC reference. And then every time I go through this list, I can double check and say, did I get that yet? No, or yes. Um, and then, you know, personal stuff. I also add a little bit of a tag to say that I found, but not qualified. So in this case, for this one line, I've got, um, there's, a there's three challenges. So there's one challenge for finding 2,000 unknowns, one for 2,500, and one for 4,000. So that's all together. But I know that my statistics say I've got 1,853. So as I get more, I can bump that number up until I've qualified for them in a row. And then I can mark which ones I've got found. So I know that I've found, but not qualified for one. And so as soon as I hit 2,000 unknowns, I can just log this one found. So... For for my way of thinking, everybody can come up with however they do it. But uh, for my way of thinking, this is like everything in one spot. And this is my go-to for geocaching goals. Uh, some of these caches are so far away, I'll probably never visit them, never qualify <laughs> for them. But it's goals. It's challenge. It's, it's it's stuff that makes you uh, makes you form your geocaching uh, trips and adventures and stuff. Like someday right, you want right. to be like. If you're going on vacation to a new province, you can look and, and or state, you can look and say, oh, there's a challenge that I've got to find the oldest in this province. So I'm going to stick that on my itinerary. Mm -hmm. And then I come back to this list, boom, qualified, log it found. <laughs> yep. So for me, that's just the easy way. And that even when it comes to grids, like say uh, they're full DT grid of multi-caches, I can keep track of that instead of constantly going back to a checker to, to see the results. I can just keep track of the ones that I have and the ones that I need uh, of say multi multi cache DTs letterbox where it goes earth caches all of that um, so if you like to do it that way 
that's another way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's getting kind of complex. We've got in the chat, um, Christopher Sumpner is saying, I have a spreadsheet, but ones for ones I've found and signed. So yeah, mm -hmm. spreadsheet's good too. Found and signed. So that's not qualified yet, but signed and ready to qualify. Yeah. So like I said, mine is a notepad, but spreadsheets are just as good. And that way you could do uh, formulas as well. If you need to, <laughs> you could do things like averages, those average challenges where you've got your, get, got to get your DT above a certain average. Mm -hmm. um, you could add, that would be a good use, right? Yeah. You could add little calculations to say how many of certain DTs you need to get in order to get that average up. So lots of little ways to do that. Um, e, uh, EJK PBR also emailed in a great point. He said on the challenge tab of your G, uh, your project GC profile, at the bottom, it keeps track of every cache you've written on a note, a note on and puts a green check mark on any that you qualify for. So if we bring that back up, just to show you what he means. Um, this is a manner of keeping track of this without necessarily having to use uh, bookmark lists. So if you go to the challenges tab of your profile and scroll right down to the bottom, this big section, challenges signed but not yet logged as found. What Project GC does is because they've got access to your logging history, they track notes that you post to cache listings. And so because they also know which caches are challenge caches, they have categorized all of those uh, note posted unfound challenge caches into this list. Mm -hmm. Because quite often people use that strategy of posting a note to a cache they found but not qualified. So they give you this box, this list of all these caches you've posted a note to. And under the assumption that that means you have uh, either signed and not qualified or qualified and not signed you have to make a, you have to look at that and then know which one that is but they give you that little check mark or um <laughs> what is that uh, called negative? <laughs> the I negative the, <laughs> the yay or nay icon there you go. <laughs> or whether you qualify so even with uh, disabled or archived caches, it'll tell you whether you qualify for that challenge. You just haven't logged it found yet. So in other words, if there's a cache that's on this list, you either need to go out and sign it or qualify for it. Yeah, I like this because you almost have done no work and you can know things at a glance as long mm -hmm. as you've written notes on cache pages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I've never actually used this list, but I'm going to, this is something I'm going to have to look at the list and then compare it to my own bookmark list and find out uh, which ones, which ones, well, if there's any inconsistencies. The one thing that, that they allow you to do with this because um, there is an assumption that a note posted is either a qualification or a sign, um, there is a chance that you might've posted a note not for either of those. No, so. Point they allow you to exclude notes or caches from this list if you add in the square bracket not signed on a post, on a note that you post to the cache. Okay. And then it won't show up in the list. My list actually has one on it. <laughs> so apparently <laughs> I haven't been to too many challenges that I still don't qualify for. <laughs> well, I mean, all it, 
all that is is if you if they see a note posted on a challenge cache. So if you don't post any notes, then it's not going to show up there. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that was a nice highlight from uh, EJK PBR there. Um, the other strategy that I mentioned earlier is one that uh, that came up. I, I can't remember when, but I heard someone mention it and I'm like, oh, hey, that actually makes a lot of sense. I really like um, this one. Yeah. So if you were to... Let's load up a cache. If you were to load up a challenge and say you are working on it and because you can't log it found just yet because you haven't qualified, it shows up as a mystery. Kind of like a puzzle cache where there's not necessarily something at the posted coordinates. You can't just go there, sign it, and log it as found. Mm -hmm. A challenge cache that's unqualified is basically the same. You can't just go there, sign it, and log it as found. So well, the strategy that some people are starting to use now is to use the corrected coordinates and just update the corrected coordinates to the posted coordinates. And then that challenge cache will have the corrected coordinates icon everywhere right. on the website map, on your mobile app map, everywhere. And that is so nice because sometimes there's so many different things to take your attention on planning a caching trip where this will just quickly at a glance, catch your attention from the map or the list and maybe bring to light a challenge that you should go for on your trip. Mm -hmm. I, I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And because for the most part, at least challenge caches are at the posted coordinates, right. then it's, it's basically like you've solved a puzzle. You've done the work, you know the location of the final, now you can go sign it and log it as found. Yeah. Uh, same sort of thing. You've qualified for the for the challenge cache, you know where it is, you can go sign it and log it as found. Um, I find that extremely helpful, especially when you're on a road trip and uh, say you, you find um, a, a geoart or a power trail where there's, there's a whole bunch of challenge caches all together and you've gone through them and you've uh, you've checked and you qualify for half of them. Mm -hmm. Now, at least, you know, when you're driving through, you can stop and log that one as you can sign it and log it as found. That's another great use. Yeah. And if you the next one doesn't have that corrected coordinate icon, you can sign it. But at least, you know, then you just have to log a note instead of a find. Like it, it helps indicate whether, yes, I've got a plus one there or not, or I've already I can freely sign that one. Yeah, that's um, good. So it's a good visual indicator. Earlier in the sh uh, in the show, some people were putting in their notes, and I don't have an iPhone, so I have no idea what this is. But Cashly has a place where you can do offline lists to track your challenges. So mm -hmm. someone else is going to have to speak to that. <laughs> yeah, so you can create a list of caches in Cashly that's considered offline. Um, it downloads all the information from online when you refresh, but if you were to lose signal, you would have all that information and you wouldn't have to query online to get it. And it you, and it's separate from your online bookmark lists. If you were, a quick 101 on the bookmark list. If you were to download the bookmark list from your online list, it would create an offline list in Cashly. Um, if you were to just use, just to view your online list, then it would temporarily get the information. You can refresh it, you can view it, but uh, it wouldn't keep it offline. So downloading a list for offline use, um, 
is helpful in that sense. And you can also create an offline list where, like uh, like you said, you could just start adding caches to it offline and it wouldn't sync to your online list. There you go. Here's another good question for you from the chat. If I ignore caches that I have found but don't qualify, would it still show up on Project GC's challenge page? So if you ignore caches that you have found but don't qualify. I think, well, if you're talking about that last section, uh, that, according to what it does, is uh, look for notes. So if you've found it... Um, there's a, a couple of other strategies as well. I mean, you could, add, if you found a challenge cache, but you haven't qualified, you could add it to an ignore list. And then that would hide it from your map. It would hide it so you don't have to see it every time. You already found it. You don't have to go back. Um, but if you were to find the cache and add a note to it, then it would show up in that list. Uh, I think if you, I would assume that if you put that cache on ignore and you have posted a note, it would still show up in the list. I certainly I, don't know, but I feel like that sounds yeah, logical. If, if that's what he's referring to, then I would think that, yeah, as long as you've posted a note, it'll show up in the list until you've logged a find on it. It's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, there's a whole lot of uh, various strategies that can be used, and we've only scratched the surface. If you have strategies that you use for keeping track of all this, whether whether you're working on two or three at a time or 100, <laughs> we'd love to hear. So uh, you can either post a comment to the video wherever you're watching it or email us at challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com and uh, tell us your story, and you might get highlighted on on a future episode. <laughs> if you have any questions you'd like answered to talk about or explore, big or small, that's where to send it. Challenge Talk Podcast at gmail.com. And we've got to move on because it is time, <clears throat> time to play the Wheel of Challenges. <laughs> We really need to get a, a splash or something for that. <laughs> yes, a big echoing, booming wheel of challenges. <laughs> yeah, let's do it again. The wheel of challenges. There we go. <laughs> On screen, we are ready to play. So one live viewer each month will be selected to face off against the wheel. Uh, you have a chance to win the grand prize, which is a one-year premium membership on Project GC. To enter, send an email with a subject containing spin me, followed by your geocaching username, and the answer to the following question. So open your email now. Yes. The first verified user gets the wheel. Your profile will be checked live on Project GC, and if you qualify, you will win. So... Here is your question. This is for our live viewers. If you are not listening live or watching live, then keep this in mind for the first Thursday of each month, because if you are alive, you will have a chance to win. <laughs> so the question that you will send, that you will answer, is for the weekend of October 11th and 12th, we can earn a new souvenir by finding a type of geocache. The question is, fill in the blank, that weekend is international blank weekend the first person to email that correct answer we will put up against the wheel and while we're waiting for that 
any thoughts on what we've already talked about? <laughs> I've the, been inspired with uh, some of the topics, some of the methods. So um, I kind of forgot about the changing your coordinates, correcting your coordinates. I know I've done it before. Um, I might have thought to do it in the moment, but I really like uh, being reminded tonight that that's a, I think that's a great method. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. We have a whole bunch of emails coming in and I am double checking a username to make sure that it is valid and we have a valid username. Excellent. So our wheel spinner, the first person to answer correctly and follow the instructions <laughs> is peachy1276. Peachy1276. You are up against the wheel. What challenge awaits? Let's find out. We don't have sound. So well, do we have sound? One, two, three, spin. We have GC15PAA, a baker's dozen challenge cache. Okay, let's find out what this challenge is. I'm intrigued. A lot of times by the title of the cache, I don't cor guess correctly what the challenge is. <laughs> <laughs> Create, creative cache names, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so we have... <laughs> a Baker's Dozen Challenge by Firefighter J. It's a three difficulty, two terrain. Not that the terrain matters in this case. A Baker's Dozen Challenge. The challenge is to find one cache on a given day, two caches on another day, three caches on still yet another day, and so forth, all the way up to finding 13 caches on one day. However, they can be done in any order and do not need to be on consecutive days. For instance, on day one, you can find seven caches, and now you have your seven caches a day complete. So lots of detail there. Essentially, it should be self-explanatory. 13 days, each day having a different number of fines of at least 1 to 13. And what's the difficulty again? Three difficulty. Three difficulty. 3.0. Right. And this is in Washington in the USA. So let's find that checker. Whoa, they're keeping track of all the people who qualify. I kind of wow. like that. I like shout outs. When I was a new cacher, that really inspired me. I wanted to be have a shout out on someone's cash page. Yeah, for sure. And big props to this to the to the CEO because they've been doing it since September twenty first, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, nine, ten, all the way to two thousand to, to September six, two thousand twenty. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> they, yeah, a lot of people tend to just you know show the first few and then move on. <laughs> Um, okay, so this one, because it's an old one, doesn't look like it has a checker in the description. But as we mentioned in the previous episode, the Project GC browser plugin does show you if there is, if somebody else has created a Project GC checker, a challenge checker for that cache, and there is. So we shall open up that checker and see if Peachy1276 qualifies for this challenge and she does Yay! has fulfilled the challenge one cash per day well yeah that's a lot of days with one cash a day <laughs> oh it's listing every day that you've met that challenge gotcha 
Yep. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and thirteen caches. Yep. That's a whole lot of days. So fourteen days she's found at least thirteen caches. Nice. So congratulations to PG1276. We'll be in touch to get information uh, about how we can send you, not send you, give you <laughs> a one-year Project GC premium membership. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, oh, and the answer, by the way, was, if you didn't already guess, International Earth Cash Day. <laughs> um, our second uh, monthly contest, monthly uh, thing we do for our community is to highlight the challenge caches that you qualify for in the past month. Uh, we give a congratulatory shout out to listeners who email us proof of qualifying and logging a challenge cache. Anyone who sends an email to challenge cash talk podcast at gmail.com with the GC code, uh, having a found at log, including a photo if you'd like to share it for that month, will be entered to win a prize giveaway. And this month's prize giveaway, <laughs> it's October. <laughs> it's October. You've got to have a theme, right? So some kind of thing. Let's give away a couple of zombie trackables. <laughs> <laughs> so if you uh, are the winner, we'll uh, send out a couple of these zombie trackable tags to you. So we've got a few caches to highlight. We've got a, a, quite a number of, uh, of submissions. And uh, we, we try to pick out just a cream of the crop, some of the really interesting ones to, to share, just to give you some ideas, maybe some inspiration if you want to create a challenge cache or just a goal to work towards. So we've got one sent in from Chaos in Motion, GC6T3JZ, Triple Marathon Challenge. And that one... Like, I, I don't know, well, I don't know what you think about these, but I, I like all of these ones that we're showing. This one, <laughs> LPC, Triple Marathon Challenge from Terra, Terra Viators. It's a capital V. So I always get messed up on that cash, on that cash's name, Terra, Terra, Terra Aviators, Terra Viators. I heard from Gary. Gary said it, Terra Viators. Terra Viators. Viators. Okay. Terraviators. <laughs> I took note because I know I messed it up before too. <laughs> <laughs> so this this challenge is the LPC Triple Marathon Challenge, the Lamp Post Challenges series. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> what was the terrain? Yeah, terrain one, difficulty three. Triple Marathon Challenge is to find two geocaches with a distance of 78.657 miles between the pair. That's three marathon distances. I wouldn't I guess, know how to track this other than using a, a, a checker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this one was uh, hidden in 2016. So it was, pre, uh, was that pre? Oh my gosh. The date. I can't remember the date of the moratorium. Was it pre or post? That's like right in the, I think 2016 is post. So 1516. Oh man. Somebody, <laughs> somebody in chat will mention. <laughs> Someone help us. Oh, Terra but, says Terra V A Terra's. So. V8ers. Okay. Terra V8ers. Okay. I will remember <laughs> Thank that. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so, yes, this is the Triple Marathon Challenge. And so, yeah, I, I thought this was great just because it was lamppost challenges. And it gives you an idea of, you know, you can create challenges where you've got to analyze stats between caches, like distances. The uh, the checker actually does give it a plus or minus 0 0.001 miles. 
So this isn't just at least this distance between, because some of them you've got to find two caches that are at least a certain like right. few thousand miles this apart. Is pretty exact. Yeah, it's like literally you're running a marathon from cache to cache, and you've got a little bit of a give. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, another one that we have is from EJK PBR, who has provided the dirt challenge. <laughs> Geo art. This, I, I, I love this. So this is actually part of a series of challenges. All right. um, th this one in particular is find 55 caches rated five, five for difficulty and terrain. Okay. Sorry. This one, this one isn't a challenge series. This is part of a geo art, but the reason I like this is the geo art. <laughs> so 55, five, five caches. That itself is really high difficult. That, that's wow. a big number. I think it I'm is less a, than 10. Even around here, I mean, that's pretty high. But this difficulty is a three difficulty. So this is another good example of where local context can really affect the ratings because it, it looks like there are tons of 5-5 five, five caches in this region, in this area. That's a really good point. In my area, there's not. There's a lot of terrain 5 for boating, but not difficulty 5. Yeah. And so I love this because... So here's the challenge... But if you zoom out to the geo art, I just I love this geo art. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that that's intense. Like, How would you describe that to our listeners? Zombie <laughs> hand rising from the earth. <laughs> <laughs> but and it's it's I don't know. They must have used some kind of uh, algorithm or or something to determine the coordinates for all of these and then publish them in batch because to do a geo art like this by hand is insane. <laughs> so props yeah. to the owner slash owners for this whole geo art. And, and I'm hearing making... from the chat that it's a geo art of all challenges. Did... Oh, this one. Oh, oh yes. This one is, yes, they are all challenges. That's right. They all have challenge in the title. And yeah. So for example, another one is 500 caches. I have an on location too. show someday. Oh man. <laughs> challenges <laughs> and this is also a good example because you can make geo art challenge series um, i did one myself as well but the trick here because uh there, there's no puzzle involved the trick is your posted coordinates are there but there's nothing at the posted coordinates you provide the final location in an additional waypoint so right, if you were to look clarification too the hand is puzzles and the dirt is challenges oh Oh, okay. That's good. I like that. It's it's good. That's, it's it's yeah. just all great. It, <laughs> I've never seen this one before. A lot of thought went into this series. Yes. I like that. Um, so yeah, uh, the posted coordinates, there's nothing there, but you can add a final location publicly available that tells you where the cache is and you can see it on the map as well. That way you can create a geo art and you don't have to manage hundreds of puzzles or anything like that checkers and solutions and all that just add a waypoint and if you were to look at this they would all be roadsides i believe yeah. they're all just mishmashed around the whole region <laughs> that, awesome. that's a road trip I, I gotta i gotta add that to the bucket list yes <laughs> um another one we've got is the south dakota virtual challenge also from ejk pbr and that one is 
from GeoBoss in the United States, also in South Dakota. And here, uh, difficulty is four and a half. I wanted to highlight this one because <laughs> this is a challenge that was affected by the moratorium. We had a similar one in Ontario. The idea behind the, the simple task for this challenge is to find all of the virtual caches in the state in South Dakota. Hey, it, great way to draw attention to virtual caches. And then, and then virtual virtuals 2.0 came out and more people got to publish virtuals. And I don't know about South Dakota. Well, South Dakota, in this case, there are now 14 virtual caches active in South Dakota. When it was published, or at least according to the description, there were 12. Not a huge difference. In Ontario, we had a handful, and Ontario is huge. So if you want to get them all, you have to travel up to two days if you want to get from one end to the other. Mm -hmm. And there were few, fairly few and far between. Virtuals 2.0 came out, and anybody who is one or two caches away from qualifying for that challenge, suddenly there were another five, 10, 15, all published in the region. And there's no, so close. Log in time. Yep. <laughs> you just got more to, on your to-do list. Yep. So it's another point. Like if you qualify for a challenge, log your qualification as soon as you know that it's there, because if something changes and you don't qualify later, you might have a whole Very lot more work to do. Very good point. Very good point. And then will the cash owner care or are they going to be a stickler? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for something like this, that like the difference between 12 and 14, they'd probably be, yeah, find them all. But if suddenly <laughs> like if the, if the spirit of the challenge was to find old caches and now there's like years later, there's a whole swath a of new, new ones. Yeah. They might be willing to say put a date in there or something like that. So everything all the old virtuals find those ones. Who knows? Yeah. Talk to the virtual cash owner. <laughs> <laughs> Next up we have GC7JTAT. This one is from Merlin1392. And this cache is the historic caches of Mason County challenge. And this one is this concept is fairly popular as well. Find the oldest num certain number of caches within your state or province. And so a lot of bingo challenges use this as well. But you're basically doing a search and sorting by place date from oldest to newest and then trying to scratch off the top X number of caches in order to qualify. The reason why this is nice is because it's it lasts over time. Right. It doesn't say find every cache before place before a certain date because as they get archived, they drop off the map and it gets harder and harder. And this also one, because of archiving, it means that people are going to have different results, different yeah. experiences and qualifying for it. Yeah, exactly. And so if the, right now they list the, uh, the oldest active caches to find, but if one of these gets archived, the next oldest gets added to the list. So mm -hmm. no matter who looks at this challenge, you can keep qualifying as time goes on. So that's why I like that one. Yeah. That's a cash owner who's going to have to stay on top of it too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, we have GC8GT8M. That is the quadruple grid challenge. We have one in Ontario called the Master Cacher Challenge, which is very, very similar. And in this challenge sent in by Bloody Cool, you must qualify by completing four different grids in your stats. And that includes the DT Fizzy Grid, 
the months placed or the Jasmer calendar, that grid, the dates found year grid calendar, 365 dates of the year, and the date placed calendar. Again, 300, I think 366 is allowed for that one. But either way, all of those grids, as mentioned earlier, are all visible on your Project GC stats and a couple of them on your public geocaching stats. Uh, and you can view those. But to qualify for all four of those grids, that takes time, especially, I think the Jasmine is probably the hardest because there's so yeah. much traveling involved, but um, or the longest. But completing all four of those grids, it's a pretty good accomplishment. If you can do that, I'd probably say you're you're in it for geocaching. <laughs> you love it. Um, and then we've got one more, the GC89WB2. Um, I had not seen this one before, and I thought, I, I didn't think I would qualify for this, but I'm apparently curious. I did. The Month of Events, published by none other than our very own Memphis Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> in Colorado. The guy who has events weekly. <laughs> the challenge is to attend an event for each date, 1 to 31 of the month. So any month and any year, you just have to have an event that, that was hosted on each of those date numbers. And so, I mean, that, that means at least 31 events. And even that, depending on how long you've been caching, is, can be take a while to get to. But to have one on every date of every date of a month. Yeah, I was curious. I just checked. I qualify. Wow, <laughs> it's a three and a half difficulty. I never thought of it though. Yeah, maybe it's not as difficult as uh, as I thought it would be. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, so that that's another good one, and that was by Bloody Cool. So there are a few more, and everybody who sent them in has now been entered or has been entered for uh, the next draw for those zombie caches <laughs> or zombie trackables. And we have drawn a winner, a winner, <laughs> a winner. <laughs> Remember for next month to send in your email before next month's show uh, telling us what challenge caches you qualified for. And, uh, and you can help hopefully inspire people uh, with new challenge ideas um, and so the winner for this month for the monthly challenger drawn from all of the submitters, I should keep talking like this <laughs> <laughs> is <laughs> drum roll. Bloody cool hey. is the winner Congrats. of zombies. <laughs> Congratulations. We will be in touch. <laughs> I say I like those zombies. They're fun. I have found found one of those. I've seen one of those in the wild. So they are out there. They weren't released this year. I think they were they're at least two years old now, two, three years old. But I, they're free. They're still too. great. They're still great. <laughs> and you know, since it's October, here's another good point from uh the chat. And I think a number of us will be in this position because it's the first day of a month. We all lost our Jasmine again today if we had it completed yesterday. Until yes. we find something that was hidden in October 2020. So that's an ongoing monthly issue for those tracking their Jasmine. 
Yep, and that was also mentioned by EJKPBR in his uh, email. He mentioned that he complete he qualified for his Jasmine in September, in August, and then September rolled around and he didn't qualify. <laughs> so he, as soon as he found a cash in October, he qualified again for the Jasmine. Yes. So always keep that in mind as well. <laughs> um, and so our last little update, I always love to do this. Uh, because this is like my own personal challenge to everybody who uh, who loves challenge caches. This was like one of the last caches that was published pre-moratorium or before some of the rules were updated um, about streaking. And it is my Iron Man bingo challenge. It is a five difficulty challenge where there is a grid of streak challenges. Each of these grids is, in a sense, its own little challenge, and you've got to complete rows or columns. But my challenge to you, the, the challenge caching community, is to see if you can complete the full grid. And since this cache was published, I had promised that anybody who completes uh, a shape or a full card, a certain shapes or a full card, will win a geocoin that I'll be minting specifically for this challenge. So that's my challenge to you. And every month I'd like to highlight if anybody else has qualified and September has zero new qualifiers. Oh, <laughs> I want to hear about these amazing people. So that's too bad. <laughs> I'm not sure if I mentioned on the first uh, show, but the first time I mentioned this, but um, the first, one of the first people to qualify for this challenge, uh, they, managed to complete the entire grid. Let's see if I can find it right near the beginning. Um, there's a lot of logs. <laughs> right notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they managed to find it, find the entire grid within one, within 100 days. And I think they posted an image. Oops. I think they posted an image, but they used a spreadsheet to strategize Basically, exactly what we're talking about to strategize. No, they didn't put a picture. The uh, all of the qualifiers, so they could smush it all into 100 days, because some of these qualifiers are uh, compatible with or overlay uh, compatible. I don't know how you explain it. They can all apply to one. Some can all apply to one cache. Like you can find five days of where it goes overlaid with uh, size and a certain attributes, and you can overlay them and qualify for a bunch of squares at the same time. So they managed to figure out all the caches that they could fit into 100 days to qualify for each of these streaks and, and, and basically complete the grid in awesome. one go. That's amazing. <laughs> they, they, oh, they hated me afterwards because <laughs> they, they had to travel, you know, you don't have to do this, you but don't they had have to travel. To. Yeah. They did travel we great distances. <laughs> Some of these, some of these things are rare, like the uh, the um, the caches that are scuba caches. There's only like a handful of them, so they travel great distances, three consecutive days, to get that square, combined with other stuff. So there was a whole lot of effort that went into yeah. their planning for this. So I, I still got to give them props for that. Are they but, retired? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Discus Crib and Drelinks, and uh, yeah, they they sent me their spreadsheet. It was fascinating to look at. Anyway, no more qualifiers for them for this month. So keep that in mind as you are challenge caching and maybe 
you will also in time earn one of those upcoming GeoCoins. That is all we have for this show. And while I haven't been watching chat, I've been seeing the numbers go up and there's a whole lot of people, a whole lot of chatting going on and that's awesome. So yeah, thank, thanks, you to, thank you to, thank you to everybody. Yeah, exactly. So the, thanks for coming out to the live chat. If you're listening, not live, then remember you can tune in on the first Thursday of each month. Next show will be November 5th, uh, same time, same place. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Uh, what else do we have? Do we have, oh, uh, Periscope as well. Uh, or you can listen on your favorite podcast player and watch for show notes. We'll be adding to the description once those are prepped. Uh, and if you have any questions, then please don't forget that you can email to challengetalkpodcast at gmail.com. And on that note, do you have any closing comments, closing thoughts? Keep on showing me uh, inspiration. Tell, show me what you've done so that I can have one more thing to look for. I love it. <laughs> Yes. Like I, I said, we don't have to do any of this, but it certainly is inspiring. Yeah. And, and just like what happened with one of those challenges that came in, I hadn't even thought of doing a month of events on each date. So yeah. you you never know what people might come up with out there. So send in those emails and uh, and have fun working on these goals, whether you can sign the challenge caches or not. It gives you something to shoot for. That's right. So on that note, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next month on the challenge talk podcast good night good night